Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. My guests on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. It's a Thursday, and we've got a lot to do. This is a day where I thank goodness for small blessings. This morning, 6 o'clock, in the meeting, eating my breakfast. Spilled yogurt on my shirt. Had the shirt been blue, it would have been a problem. Had the shirt been pink, it would have been a problem. Had the shirt been lavender, it would have been a problem. The shirt is white. No one noticed. Just that plain, fat-free Greek yogurt. Nothing could be more boring. What an incredibly boring breakfast that is, right? That's what I'm eating for breakfast now. What happened to me? Anyway, delighted that you're here. I'm in a very festive, kind of fired-up mood. I don't know exactly why, but I'm feeling kind of good. And I'm very excited that you are with me today because I've got a lot to get to when it's going to begin with a poll question. I have it up on Twitter, at ESPN Greeny. And the question is this. With Woj breaking the news live on Get Up this morning that Anthony Davis has re-signed five years, $190 million with the Lakers. He's all in. Anthony Davis could have done a lot of different things. Could have taken a short-term deal. Could have taken a medium-term deal. He took the longest deal that was available to him. And LeBron James is a two-year extension on top of the year he had remaining. So that's three years at minimum that you will have LeBron James and Anthony Davis together in L.A. And they are a prohibitive favorite to win the championship at least this coming year. So my question on Twitter, at ESPN Greeny, is this. With LeBron and AD locked in with the Lakers, the question is, how many more rings do they win in L.A.? It's early in the voting, but right now, 21% say zero. 43% say one. And then 36% say two or more. And that is incredibly significant. Because we all know what that means. We all know what two more for LeBron means. That means six championships for LeBron, and that means the GOAT debate gets kicked into a place I can't even fathom. Let me just refer to that as talk show hosts nirvana. Nothing could be better than that because basketball is more popular than golf, and LeBron James is one of two athletes in the world right now chasing GOAT status and chasing a ghost to get there. I will explain. Tiger Woods is doing the same thing. Tiger Woods has won 15 career majors. And there are people who will say Tiger Woods is not the greatest player in the world unless he catches Jack Nicklaus at 18. And there are people, of course, who will say LeBron James is not the greatest basketball player until and unless he catches Michael Jordan at six. These are, as far as I can think of, the only sports where that is relevant right now. And let me explain. Just going through a bunch of them off the top of my head. You might think Serena Williams. Here's why I do not put Serena Williams in this category, despite the fact that she is still chasing the record for most career slams. It is my opinion, and I think the opinion of most people who follow the sport and care about it, that Serena Williams is already the greatest player in the history of women's tennis, whether she gets that record or not. I don't think there's much debate about that. So I don't believe she's chasing a ghost. Yes, she's chasing a record. But I believe she is the GOAT, whether she gets there or not. Men's tennis. You have three players. They're not chasing ghosts. They're not chasing Rod Laver or Pete Sampras or John McEnroe. They're fighting it out against each other. When they're all done, one of the three of them will be the greatest player of all time. Federer, Nadal, Djokovic. One of the three of them will emerge as the greatest of all time. They're not chasing ghosts. 
Go through some of the other sports. Tom Brady, I believe, already has staked his claim to being the greatest of all time. He's not chasing anything. Patrick Mahomes, you might argue, is chasing him, but he's that's so far away that it's much too soon to even have the conversation. What other sports haven't we gotten to? Baseball? Mike Trout? Mike Trout has got to be a decade away from that conversation. Yes, he's chasing it, but he's a long way away from that conversation being germane. So the point I'm trying to make here is that the, 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 the significance of a sixth championship for LeBron is almost impossible to put into words. It would be the most, I think, significant milestone that any player could currently reach that, that feels within reach. Again, Mike Trout, check back with me on that one. Six or seven years from now, we can have the conversation. But it feels to me like the Lakers are now set up to be in a position to win two more championships in the next three years. I asked Kendrick Perkins and I asked Jay Williams on Get Up This Morning. They're locked into at least three more years together. How many do they win? And both of them, both Jay Will and Kendrick Perkins, said you have to figure at least two. Two is the magic number. So you can cast your vote on my Twitter page again, at ESPN Greeny. Let me know what you think. We'll keep track of that as we continue with the program here. I can also mention a new sponsorship that we have. When questions find you, Merrill Edge Self-Directed Investing has personalized tools and insights to help you find answers. Get started at MerrillEdge.com slash reach. Merrill Lynch, Pierce, Fenner, and Smith Incorporated, registered broker-dealer, member SIPC. Okay, let's bring Brian Winhorst into the conversation and see what he thinks of it all. He's on the Shell Pencil Performance Line. He hosts the Hoop Collective podcast and is, of course, one of our best and my favorite NBA analysts. Wendy, that's, that's sort of the setup here. With the re-signing today of Anthony Davis and the extension the other day to LeBron, if you were to make a wager right now, as they are locked in for at least the next three seasons together. How many titles do you think is a safe bet they will put together in the next three years? Can I take a quick diversion to that golf thing? Sure. Comparing to Tiger to LeBron. One of, of the course. things that Jack Nicholas has on his resume that makes his status so incredible is in addition to the 18 majors, I believe he has 17 runners-up in majors. Yes. Which establishes him as the greatest major player of all time because he has so many. That is seen as a burnishment to his resume. But LeBron, who is four and six in finals, those six losses are not seen as, as burnishing it. Those are seen as negative. And even if he does win two more, I think the people who defend Jordan will say, well, Jordan was six and oh, and LeBron was six and six or six and seven or six and eight or whatever it is. It's interesting to me that LeBron sort of gets penalized in his sport, I feel. Whereas, um, whereas Jack, I don't think at all. I think it, it helps him. Uh, Can I just say something quickly about that? You're so right. I thoroughly agree. People tried to do the same thing with Brady when they said, well, look, Montana was 4-0 in Super Bowls and Bradshaw was 4-0 and Brady, I believe, was 4-2 at the the point that he won his fifth, whatever it is. And I always say the only way that 4-0 in the Super Bowl is better than 4-2 in the Super Bowl is if you only played four years. <laughs> Otherwise, you are now penalizing someone for winning playoff games. It is as though Joe Montana losing the NFC Championship game to the Giants and Jeff Hostetler was better for his legacy than if he had won that game and made it to the Super Bowl and lost. To exactly your point, for LeBron James, making it to the finals is better than not making it to the finals. So I completely agree with you. I want to do add to your point. Wendy, back to you. So LeBron has talked about this vaguely. I mean, he's never going to take a shot at the king. 
but he's talked about how he feels like that he has been available for his teammates is something that he feels is a strong pillar in his career. And I think he's codedly talking about, listen, I've picked myself up off of terrible losses and come back. I've gone to the finals four, five, six, seven, eight years in a row, brought myself back. Whereas Jordan, and certainly we saw in the last dance that it's not an apples-to-apples comparison, but Jordan did have to yield a couple of times. And had he not yielded, he would have more than six and have more than six finals. But I do think LeBron feels like that should be credited for him. And I don't care what he wants to say publicly. I know that he wants that mantle. I don't know if he thinks he can get there, and I think that's why he'll stop ever short of announcing that that is his ultimate goal because he doesn't want to be cut off for not getting there, but he wants it. And this Laker team, I did not think they were a championship team a year ago, but they proved that they were, and LeBron and AD proved that they are a devastating tandem together. Now they are going to be able to go through these transaction cycles to build up this roster. This is what happened in Miami. That first year they were good, but they didn't have the the full team. Then they got Shane Battier. Then they got Ray Allen. Then they got Chris Anderson. And they ended up winning two titles. It could have been three, but they ran into a, a buzzsaw. Uh, this is now where the Lakers are. They have these two guys locked in. You can't predict health. I have no idea whether LeBron's going to avoid injury. I have no idea whether AD will stay up. But if they do, the Lakers are only going to get better. The next two or three years, the Lakers have pole position. I totally agree. And, and, and you know, a part of that also is the terrible injury to Klay Thompson. I, I think I was ready to say it's Lakers and Warriors in the Western Conference and what a battle that should be in the absence now of Klay Thompson, I think, takes that away, takes them away. And the Lakers, I think, actually have... A pretty good path, assuming they are healthy. So the other thing I would throw in, Wendy, man, this is Greeny on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. My buddy Brian Windhorst with me on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. Wendy, is that I think I saw the other day, correct me if I'm wrong, that LeBron would be on pace to surpass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on the all-time scoring list in three years. So he could throw that onto his resume as well, which it's got to count for something, right? I, I don't know where you put it exactly, but it's got to mean something. Yeah, and I think, you know, LeBron never wants to be known as a scorer. And I don't think he'll say, look, I'm I'm aiming to get that title. But again, that's a longevity. He already has all of the finals records and all of the playoff records. He owns them all. And to, to own the scoring title, which is seen by some or had been seen by some as untouchable. Again, it goes to, I mean, he's now signed for 20 years. He You know, he will... If he finishes this contract, it will be 20 years, and he may have more in him after that. And I don't know how you value that, but how do you value a guy who was probably should have been an all-star his rookie year, but he didn't get in because his team was bad and he had to earn it, but would have been an all-star potentially for 19, 20 consecutive years in addition to piling up all those numbers. Greeny, in January, depending on how many games he plays and coronavirus or whatever, he's going to play a 60,000th NBA minute. Mm. Uh, Again, where does availability go into the greatness file? It's a lot of minutes. Greeny and Wendy with you here. While I have you, let me me go over the other huge move from the NBA yesterday. It's quite a week the league is having when the trade of, of Russell Westbrook for John Wall became yesterday's news as quickly as it did this morning. 
But how do you assess that? Give, give me a minute here on, on that deal. What do you think it means for Westbrook in Washington? And maybe more to the point, what do you think it means for Harden in Houston? Yeah, to be honest with you, I know we're talking about two all-star point guards making $40 million who are just traded for each other, but this is about Harden and Bradley Beal. Um, This is about Washington worried about Bradley Beal coming to the office, knocking on the door and saying, I want to move on. They want to make the playoffs now. And Atlanta, who's fighting with them at the back end of those playoffs, has made major improvements. They want to upgrade, and they think that Russell Westbrook ultimately will be a better player in the short run. John Wall has not played for two years. I can understand that. And they want to hold on to Bradley Beal. As for Houston, Houston is still clinging to the hope, I think, that they can right the ship with James Harden. Do I believe this trade is going to get it done? I do not. Do people in the league believe it? They do not. They think that Harden is probably going to get moved in the short-term future. But the marriage between Westbrook and Harden was done. Westbrook was not going to be a good person to be around. I know that they said that they were okay being uncomfortable. Clearly that was not the case. And so they made a deal that they hope will keep Harden somewhat more involved and not pushed away by Westbrook. And they believe, and this is a gamble, but that John Wall is only 30, and if he recovers from this Achilles injury, his contract for three more years in his early 30s will be better than paying Westbrook in his mid to late 30s for three more years. Who knows whether that works out, and that's why they got the first-round pick as well to, to grease that. That's a really interesting week in the NBA as they are a few weeks away from the start of their regular season, and Brian Windhorst is always there to cover it for us. Thank you, Wendy. Have a terrific rest of the week, and I will check in with you as we get closer to the start of the season. You too. Take care. All right, that's Brian Windhorst here, and I'm going to invite you here to be a part of Greeny Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line because I'm going to get to the football game, and then we're going to throw open the phones on this LeBron versus Michael thing. ESPN Nation, it's presented by Dr. Pepper. The college football season is heating up, and so is your favorite Dr. Pepper-loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to an ice-cold 20-ounce Dr. Pepper today. I will be throwing up on the phones. I will let you know when to call. It'll be just a few minutes away because I have to get to some of the football that happened yesterday first. All right, let's get to that. So a, a very rare Wednesday afternoon NFL game. And if the Steelers got the win, as they did, and are unbeaten, as they are, why was their head coach, Mike Tomlin, so unhappy when it was over? To be bluntly honest, man, I'm really disappointed in our performance tonight. Uh, we did enough to win, uh, but that's all. Um, it was really junior varsity, to be quite honest with you. Uh, but not a lot happened tonight to be proud of or to be excited about. You had uh, some uh, red zone failures and a number of drop passes. Uh, do you, what do you attribute that to? Anything in particular? Us sucking. <laughs> Let's bring Jeremy Fowler, our insider, in on the Shell Pennzoil performance line has been around the Steelers forever. Uh, Jeremy, how should we read that before we get to the terrible injury news? How should we read the way Tomlin reacted to yesterday's game? Well, Greeny, we should read that as the Steelers feeling like if we're going to be a championship team, we got to put away bad teams because that's what the Ravens were yesterday. You know, Juju Smith-Schuster called them junior varsity because their roster was so depleted, several pole bowlers out. They have to be able to win that game convincingly. They knew that, um, and it, it was easy for them to say that, hey, it was Wednesday night football, you know, everybody was a little foggy, but you know, they just didn't want to use that excuse. So this is Tomlin trying to very much set a tone December and January football where he feels like he has a team that can win it all they have to be a lot better well the worst news they got yesterday obviously was the injury to Bud Dupree this is a team that's already playing its season without Devin Bush and now will be playing the rest of the way without uh, Bud Dupree who's a 
part of that great pass rush. How, how, how would you describe the significance of that injury to them going forward? Well, even in the locker room, the people I've tested with, they're devastated. I mean, this is a guy who's been there six years very well, very slow, and then became a borderline star player right now, probably is a star player. You know, he was, he was said to be one of the biggest free agents in all of 2021 and was coming on in a big way. So it, it, they know it compromises them on and off the field. Uh, Alex Highsmith is an inexperienced rookie who's played pretty well, but he's got to suddenly get in there where teams can now double and triple team T.J. Watt. You know, Bud Dupree brought them balance where you, you had to respect everybody on the defensive line. Now teams don't have to do that as much. So, you know, they know they can't replace Bud Dupree. They just got to find creative ways to, to get everybody else past rush lanes to get to the quarterback. Greeny and Jeremy Fowler. So how would you describe where they are? Like, you cover this team closely. You know them well. I mean, they were 11-0, and and, and for, all, for all the conversation about how they haven't been spectacular the last couple of weeks, I think a lot of that just goes back to the Dallas game. The Dallas game was national TV. They didn't play that well, and they almost lost. Yeah. Since then, they blew out Jacksonville. They blew out uh, Cleveland. Uh, excuse me, Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, they, 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 I feel like there's sort of a narrative that the Steelers are, have been mediocre, and I'm not sure I buy it. What do you think? Right. It's somewhere in the middle because they're, they're definitely not mediocre. I mean, this is a team that, that spent the better part of the last eight years rebuilding the defense, right? You had Troy Polamalu and all those guys. They had to eventually phase them out. It took a long time and a lot of growing pains where that offense of Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, and Roethlisberger was elite. The defense wasn't caught up. Now the defense is elite, and that's the problem when you're losing Buck Dupree and Devin Bush to guys like that. It compromises what was going to win them a title, and maybe it still can. Uh, but this is a team that feels like it can move the ball on anybody. Ben Roethlisberger at this age feels like, hey, look, just let me go five wide, no huddle, empty backfield, occasionally a running back back there, but we're just going to keep throwing the ball. They're almost like extended handoffs. And even yesterday when they played poorly, I mean, it was, you know, they had a ton of drops. So Roethlisberger didn't play that badly. He, he feels like, despite the elbow surgery and everything and the age, and he feels like he can still go out there and lead this team with a lot of passing. Uh, and, and he feels like they can lean on him that way. Well, their, their next game is Monday. They host Washington. It's a short turnaround. I know that's bad, and I'll say this. All the talk about them needing to go 16-0. and If they're going to lose a game, this is the one to lose because it's an NFC game. So they would maintain the advantage over Kansas City at 15-1. and Right, Jeremy? So if there's a game for them to lose, again, we'd love to see them go 16-0. and But if there's a game yeah. they could lose on the rest of their schedule, it's this one, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because they still have to lock up the division. You somehow Cleveland at eight and three, and so we haven't seen that in a long time. And so you know, they, they, they feel like they'll take care of Cincinnati and Cleveland like they usually do every year. Buffalo's a key swing game because if you drop the Washington one, you got to get the Buffalo one to keep Kansas City off balance and ensure that number one seed. I know home field advantage doesn't mean as much this year, but it still means a lot. To the players that I've talked to around the league, you know, they feel like well, it's just the comfort, especially right now with COVID issues, the comfort of being home in January and being able to kind of try, try to uh, maintain some sense of normalcy and keep your COVID testing results down, uh, home field advantage will be big. All right, we'll see what happens. Jeremy, thank you as always. Good to talk to you, and I'll check in with you soon. That's Jeremy Fowler with me here on ESPN Radio. So that's where our day begins today with the huge news from the NBA, and then we look back on the Steelers. Again, the most dissected 11-0 team I could ever possibly imagine. But right now, I'm throwing open the phone lines to you. My number is 888-SAY-ESPN. 
And the question is simple. Today we're doing a direct question. I'm looking for the answer to this. If LeBron James does win his sixth championship, if in the next few years he winds up at six, who's the GOAT? In your opinion, if LeBron gets to six, who's the GOAT? Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. The greatest player in the world now has a new deal. LeBron James has signed a two-year contract extension with the Lakers. It ties him to the team through the 2022-2023 season, which would be LeBron's 20th in the NBA. Half past the hour, I'm Greeny, and this is ESPN Radio. I'm presented by Progressive Insurance. Quoting home insurance just got easier. With Progressive's home quote explorer, quote and buy all online at Progressive.com. I will once again steer you towards the poll question I have on Twitter. At ESPN Greeny is the address. With LeBron and AD locked in with the Lakers, the question is how many more rings do they win in L.A.? Right now, 21% say zero. 42% say one. And then 37%, if you combine them, say two or more. And that, to me, is the important piece of this. Does LeBron James win two more championships in his career? And if he does, what does it mean to the GOAT conversation? I can't help myself. I'm a talk show host. It's the way my mind is wired to think. So that's the question that I'm throwing to you right now at 888-SAY-ESPN. If LeBron James gets to six championships, who's the GOAT? That's the question, and let's go for the answer on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. My first up is Manny. You're on ESPN Radio. Manny, if LeBron gets to six, who's the GOAT? I grew up in Chicago, 40 years, lived there, was there for the championships, hated LeBron at first, hated the decision, grew to appreciate him and his greatness. But my thing is the debate isn't on the championships. It comes down to the killer instinct. And I think that he could have... 10 championships. Russell has 11, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're going to go by championships, then he's the greatest ever. But I think with between Mike and LeBron, it comes down to Mike was always going to put that dagger in your heart. He was going to control that, and that's why he's the greatest. Whereas LeBron at times needed Kyrie to do what he did. And not to say Pippen didn't do what he did, but Kyrie would have to take the one position for them to win that championship as Mike was always the one, no matter what. He was going to be the one. He was going to be the MVP. He was going to be the the, the, the alpha and the omega no matter what. Do we lose you, Manny? It's a good call. Look, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. And I, I am going to be very tough to budge off of the Michael train also. And part of it, I think, is just my age. Uh, where I was in my life and who I was in my life at the time that I was my, watching Michael Jordan, he felt larger than life to me in a way that no one could now. That's a terrible way to judge these things, but these things are personal. 
So that's the way I view it. And Manny, I totally get what you're saying, and I appreciate it. Now you could you could quant you could um, you could counter that with a ton of LeBron things. You realize that in an NBA Finals in which LeBron faced a team that had won 73 games, he led all players in the series on both teams in points, rebounds, assists, blocks, and steals. He's the only person ever to do that in the Finals. And he did it against a 73-win team. So we can throw numbers around in either direction we want. I appreciate the call. Dr. Pepper, call in line. Next stop is Jonathan. Jonathan, if LeBron gets to six, who's the GOAT? Well, Greeny, first, to say LeBron James is great to me is an understatement because he's greater than that. But there are two simple reasons why I think Jordan, even if and when LeBron gets to six, will be the greatest. One, anytime anybody accomplishes anything in the NBA and there's only been one or two players to ever do that in history, 90% of the time Michael Jordan is that other player or one of those two other players. Secondly, in the NBA Finals, there was never a time where Michael Jordan was not the best person on the floor. And while it's minimal for LeBron James, there have been a few occasions where he has not been. So those are my two reasons. But they're both phenomenal, but I would go with Jordan. Yes, totally fair. To- Jonathan, I love it. I love the calls. Totally fair. That is true. LeBron James not only has gotten beaten in the finals, which I continue to say should not be held against him, but there have been many times that he wasn't the best player on the floor in the finals. He wasn't the best player on the floor in the finals in 2011. I don't hold the first one against him. Whatever year that was, they lost to San Antonio, 07, or whatever it was. They had no chance. He dragged a mediocre team to an NBA Finals. That one's a positive. The one you hold against him is 11, when the Heat should have beaten Dallas, and LeBron just didn't play well. That was the whole fourth quarter series. That's the one thing you hold against him more than anything else. LeBron has been the MVP of all the four championships, the finals at all four championships that he won, and he's the only player ever to win finals MVP for three different teams. Take that for what it's worth. Al, you're next up on ESPN Radio. Al, if LeBron gets to six, who's the GOAT? Hey, Greeny. Um, I actually, I used to be one of the worst LeBron haters ever, and um, if he if he wins, let's say he gets to six, and you're talking about potentially a three-peat with the Los Angeles Lakers, that'd be the, the first team since I think the 2000 Lakers in any of the four, five major uh, uh, North American sports to three-peat. I mean, at pushing 40, I mean, I'm 20, 29, and I, I, I have to say it's got to be LeBron because now you've got six championships, and not only would he win six, but he'd get his jersey probably retired as a Laker. And now, and on top of that, he won in Cleveland, a city that hasn't had a championship since he's been there. I, I mean, it's been a long time since he came back to Cleveland and got him a championship. I think it's got to be LeBron. It's a great call. You bring up a lot of really good and relevant thoughts. I would add to yours, not only haven't they won anything in Cleveland since he's been gone, that entire city hasn't won any other championships in 60 years. So LeBron is, he is the Cleveland championship, um, mantle. He is the, he's the trophy on the mantle, the only one they have in that city in any sport <coughs> going back to the forties. So it's a good call. Uh, Mike, I got time for one more here. Mike, go ahead. If LeBron gets to six, who's the goat, Mike? How, why are we using championships to determine who's the best individual player? I don't understand that. And plus, we comparing eras in, in this era. You ever play pickup basketball where you could pick your starting five, anybody on the playground? Yeah. LeBron's been able to stack his team. Mike wasn't able to stack his team. Nobody was able to build their own team back in the day like they do today. So I don't think you want to compare championship with individual um, accolades like greatest of all time. It's a good call. Listen, Mike, Here's I will address both sides of that. One of them, on stacking his own team, no debate. The era is different. 
players move around, and LeBron started it. I mean, you could say the big three in Boston started it, but they didn't make the decision to go there together. That was made for them. So LeBron was the one. The decision changed the sport, completely changed the sport, in my opinion, for the worse. But it is the way the sport is now, so I won't hold it against him. As far as using championships as a gauge of a player's greatness, I think it's reasonable. And frankly, I sort of have to hold up my hand because I think Mike and I were part of starting that. I think when this conversation first started to be a conversation, we were right in the middle of it. We might have been at the very forefront of it. So I think it is reasonable in that sport where one player affects the game more than any other sport. I believe with NBA stars and quarterbacks, it is reasonable to take that into account when you judge a player's greatness. That's what I think. And I also think I love the calls. Thank you all for those. We'll take more a little bit later in the program. Coming up next, I will tell you the single most important thing that we have accomplished since we came back to the radio. It happened yesterday. Greeny, the podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Maryland and Michigan off for this weekend. Michigan plays Ohio State the following weekend. That's a game Ohio State desperately needs to be eligible for the Big Ten Championship and the college football playoff. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. Lewis Riddick coming up in just a few minutes here around the NFL. The poll question stays up today. And in just a moment, I will share with you details of a conversation that I've, I just overheard amongst my staff that I'm very impressed with. I'm, I'm, I'm increasingly impressed with the staff of this program, hashtag Greeny. But right now it is time for some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless because I'm also proud of what we seem to have accomplished yesterday. I told you that yesterday we did the most important thing we will do, and that is that yesterday on this show, I said and I brought on Paul Feinbaum to say the same thing. That I brought in, I, I got some unsolicited advice. This is a perfect opportunity for you to try some active listening. Unsolicited advice. I had unsolicited advice for the leadership of the Big Ten. They don't need advice from me, but they were going to get it anyway. And I said, make a change. Do something that gets Ohio State into this playoff. It would be ridiculous because of rules you just made up 15 minutes ago to keep Ohio State from having a chance to get into the playoff. I said it yesterday here on this program. I brought Paul Feinbaum on to say it because I knew that would amplify the voice. And then sure enough, like 10 minutes after we finished, I saw these comments from Barry Alvarez, athletic director, Wisconsin, quote, our league can't keep Ohio State from having the opportunity to play in the Big Ten title game. Let me make sure that you're clear on what the rule is. The rule is that in the Big Ten, if you don't play at least six games in the regular season, you don't qualify to play in the Big Ten championship game. Ohio State has only played four because of coronavirus stuff. They are desperately trying to field the team that can play Saturday against Michigan State. And then they got a whole other level of concern the following weekend because Michigan has problems, and that's their last game. So as is currently constituted, if Ohio State can't play both of those games, they're not eligible for the Big Ten championship game. 
which means they're staring at being a five-win team with no conference title on its resume, and that's what they're going to put forth to the college football playoff committee. And if I had to bet on it, I would bet the committee puts them in anyway. But it's certainly not putting your best foot forward. And so I want to make very clear what I'm advocating. The Big Ten has two policies. One of them is the 21-day policy for players who test positive. I am not, repeat, not suggesting they change that. That is a decision they made based on players' safety and health that they obviously believed in. It should be pointed out two of the presidents of the universities within the conference are doctors. One of them is an epidemiologist. So they think they know something very important there, and I am in no way suggesting that they alter that. That stays in place. And if that winds up costing Ohio State for any reason, then it's more important. It is much more important to to provide uh, as much safety and, and all of that for the players as we possibly can under these circumstances. No, Nothing else is more important than that. What I'm talking about is the completely arbitrarily selected six games. What is that? They just made that up. Like that... That wasn't written. That wasn't on some tablet somewhere. That didn't come down from above. They just decided that. It sounded reasonable at the time, but look at it in practice now. It's going to keep Ohio State out of the Big Ten title game. So the Big Ten title game, I actually forgot to look at it. It's going to be Northwestern and Indiana. Indiana just lost its quarterback to a season-ending injury. So Northwestern and Indiana would play. One of them would be the Big Ten champion, which is great. I'd love to see Northwestern win the, the, the Big Ten championship, and I'd like to see them get a crack at Ohio State to try and do it. That's actually the game I want to see as a fan of Northwestern. If we lose, we lose. But I want to play the best team. But the point of it is that if Ohio State doesn't get a chance to play in that game, then they don't get a chance to be the Big Ten champion. So they're way behind the eight ball. So now, I mean, the SEC has two teams, three teams. That, that would might be ahead of them in line, and the ACC definitely has two. So in my opinion, just change it. Just make it five. I mean, was just, just say, well, the circumstances changed. We have to be flexible. On August 11th, we said we weren't playing at all. Now we're doing that. So on October whatever, we said you need to play six games. Now we're changing that. It's not that hard. You could do it. I don't think anyone will have anything negative to say about it. So just do it. Just put Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game against Northwestern. Give us our crack at them. Maybe Northwestern beats them and the whole thing becomes irrelevant. If Ohio State wins, then fair enough. Then they're a Big Ten champ and they have a much better resume to try and get into the college football playoff. So to me, the fact that Barry Alvarez said it is a very good sign. And all I'll say in response is, you're welcome. Like most geniuses, I won't be fully appreciated until long after my time. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. Speaking of geniuses... I don't know that this necessarily qualifies, but I will tell you that when I do the show from the seaport, from our studios of the seaport, which is where I am right now, during our commercial breaks, I can just hear what's going on in the control room. So we have Nuno in there, we have hashtag Bubba in there, and we have a new member of our staff named Devin. And I can just hear them talking. And most of the time, they're talking about just irrelevant nonsense, like the sports dopes that they are. But in this particular case, maybe the addition of Devin has raised up the overall intellect of the group because I'm listening to Devin and, and Bubba having a conversation about the books that they are reading, when they read, meaning what time of day they read, and the genre of literature that they prefer. And I must say, hashtag Bubba, I've known you a long time. What year did you start working, hashtag Bubba, on Mike and Mike? What year did you start with us? Uh, it was 2010, so yeah, I guess 10 so, years So I've known ago, you yeah. 10 years. 
if you had asked me to make a prediction on whether or not in that time you have read a book, <laughs> I would have said no. Wow. All right. But you're actually a reader. Well, that was the whole point, though, is I'm, I, I want to be and I try to be, but I'm not one minute and I'm not great at it. <laughs> so I was kind of asking Devin for tips because I know he's a big reader. When you say you're not great at it, I just you're not a good reader. I just no, I mean, I can read. I just can't follow through. You know, I'll have books. I'll start one and, you know, I don't really finish it. And. It's a whole thing. I got a bunch of books, you know, leather-bound books ready to go. Uh-huh. And uh, I was You're just asking him. You need a reading thing. chair. Yeah, and he was telling me, you know, he reads in the morning. He has a reading chair. That's that's where I'm going wrong, I think. Devin, I'm impressed. I, I'm, I'm very impressed with the new guy. And, and, and Bubba, you just kind of affirmed my previous thought, which was... Uh, look, I, I've read more than a book, so if your over-under is incorrect. Okay, so if I put the, the, the over-under on books you've read in 10 years at one and a half, you would go over? Over. (laughs) Okay. We'll continue to debate that as we go. The poll question remains up. More of your calls as we continue. And Lewis Riddick will join me live next on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can check out Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Also, don't miss Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 Eastern on ESPN. This is Greeny, the podcast.